Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Ephesians 4, verse 8. Hallelujah. It says, wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Don't you know that was a joyous opportunity? A joyous that he led captivity captive. Glory to God. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Yeah, that's kind of like Sikkim. (laughs) Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. That leads me to my my, my imagination goes to a place where where Jesus has got, he's got them by the, by the, in chains, and he's leading them down the street, parading them in disgrace and shame openly for everybody in heaven and hell to see. And for me and you are participating in that. He led them captive. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And he gave us that same victory. That's more than conquerors. He did the work and we get the benefit. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians, I bet you know where I'm going now. Second Corinthians 2, verse 14. Now, 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 that's an important word. Now, not someday, not when I feel like it, not when everything looks better, but now, thanks be to God. Now which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Listen, he always, that says, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now, the New King James reads it this way, and most translations read it this way. Always leads us in triumph. The Weymouth translation says, ever leads us in his triumphal procession. Ooh, that, that makes me go right back to Colossians, you know, makes a show of them openly, parades, parades them around. You know, in the old days, when one king defeated another king, he put him in chains, him and his entire household, and everybody, he put them all in chains and just parade them before the people of his own country. That's what Jesus has done. He has paraded the enemy in front of his own people. That's me. That's me. Hallelujah. Conterbury translation says, who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph. Oh, from place to place. He knows we got places to go and things to do. And so he leads us from place to place. And so we're going to set the stage here for what I'm really going to talk about. You know, but here it is. He leads us in triumph. I was sitting, I don't know, I, don't, I think it was right here in church the other day. And suddenly... I don't know if it was a song or something somebody said. And suddenly I heard this. Who's doing the leading? Who's leading? Hmm. He's supposed to be leading. He's supposed to be. But you know, God designed us so that we would have free choice. 
And we could decide for ourselves if we wanted to follow or not follow. He will always lead. Will we always follow? He always leads. You know, we have to be willing to follow. We used to sing a song I was growing up, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Great song of consecration. But how little did we actually do it? You know, and that made me, the other day when I heard that, it made me stop and begin to reflect. How good a job am I doing at following where he's leading? You know, Matthew seven thirteen. go over there with me. Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, Enter ye in the gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Isn't it sad that so many people find the wide path? It's easy. It requires nothing. It beckons you with enticements of something that you think you're going to love, something you're going to enjoy, something you can't live without, something that you just got to have. But it says straight or narrow is the gate And narrow is the way which leads to life. And few there be that find it. Listen, living for God should be on one hand easy. It should be easy for us to take our spirit man and follow where he leads. Unfortunately, our spirit man is currently housed in a body of flesh with a mind that's not renewed. And so that was what makes it much more difficult. Our flesh and our minds are what takes us down the broad path, the path of destruction. And our spirit man's always wanting to go down that, that narrow way, that, that straight way. It always wants to go there. But here we are, we're dealing with flesh, dealing with mind, and the spirit man wants so much to pull us in spirit, soul, and body down the straight way, the narrow way. Why? Because there's life in it. Life in it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I've always said God is a pro-choice God. If somebody wants to talk to me about abortion, I'm going, yeah, I serve a pro-choice God. I do. I do. But this is what he says. He says, see, I've set before you this day life and good, death and evil. And go down to verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. He's telling you what to choose, but he's leaving it up to you to make the choice. Every day we make those kind of choices. You know, John chapter 16. I know you're going to be going to a lot of places. I'm going to let you stop in a minute. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide or lead you into all truth. 
He leads. You know, you go, you go back over into Psalm 23. It says, he leads me beside the still waters. See, where he leads us is always going to be a place of victory. It's always going to be a place of peace. It's always going to be a place of joy. It's going to be a place of contentment. It's going to be everything that we ever thought we would want. Everything. But he leads us there. But we have to, to choose what we're going to do when he, when he begins to lead. He's leading us every single day. He's leading us hourly. He's really leading us by the minute. He's leading you right now to stay alert. He's leading you to draw on the Spirit of God. He's leading you to, to take what, what's being said and apply it to your life. He's leading you to hear what the Spirit is saying about what I'm saying that will make it more relevant to your life. He's leading you every single moment. And yet we have to, we have to make those decisions. Do we follow or do we not? Well, I came up with some things that we need to talk about when it comes to making a decision to follow him. Number one, make a decision on who's going to do the leading. Yeah. In every relationship that I know of, there's somebody usually who takes the lead. In a, in a marriage, the husband is supposed to take the lead. Ladies, the husband is supposed to take the lead. But in the absence of leadership from a husband, a wife will take over. Sometimes a wife has to. I have said this to some ladies before. If the man you're married to is not willing to lead, you can't let your family go down the path that he's not going to lead you in. He's not going to lead you in the right path. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to serve God. Many of my children were going to serve God. In my house, it was me who didn't want to follow you know, and, and I, at least I had a husband who would say, said to me, he'd say, when I was backslidden and didn't care, you couldn't, I didn't care about anything. Just leave me alone. Stop, stop harping at me. Stop nagging me about going to church. Stop nagging me about this. Stop nagging me about that. Because he would start that stuff and it'd be like one step forward and two steps back. You know, if he'd left me alone, God could have got a hold of me a whole lot sooner. You know, but at least one day he said to me, okay, I'm done. This is, this is the deal. I and my sons are going to be doing this, this, and this. You can decide for yourself what you're going to do. But it only applied to me. It did not apply to my children. I might have been their mother, but he was their father, and he was the head of the house, and he said, this is what my children and I will do. He was going to be what, what, what you find in the Old Testament. As for me and my house, what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if the wife don't want to come along, then the wife don't go along. I have seen, I have seen ladies who have had who have had husbands who went off the deep end and didn't want to serve God anymore, who wanted to do their thing. And they said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not because they were trying to take over the leadership of the house, but when the leadership won't lead, somebody's going to have to take that place. It's a sad thing. Somebody's got to take that place. Then you have to ask yourself, 
What areas am I willing to let him lead in? Oh, that can get to be a sticky subject. Oh, Lord, if you, you, know, if you want to lead me into the blessings, if you want to lead me into a fantastic job, if you want to lead me in this, if you want to lead me in that, I'm all for it. Let's go. And he, then he starts talking to you about leading you to walk in love. And you go, mm, I don't know. Hang on. Hang on. He leads you to tithe. Oh, now, let, let's, let's, we don't want to talk about money in church now, folks. No, 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 no. Don't want to do that. If he leads you to be in church. I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd so y'all can amen real loud. Because it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> but how many people have I run into over the course of 41 years who said, you know, I, I, can, I can serve God just fine and not go to church. And I just smile. And I thought, what a fool. What a fool. You can't. Because his word explicitly tells you to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He says he has placed you in a body. He says that you're fitly joined and framed together. You can't be fitly and joined and framed together if you're not there. But people want to pick and choose the areas they want to be led in. I'll lead you. I'll follow. You know, I, I've laughed so many times. You know, we sing that song as, uh, I love you, love you, I love you. Uh, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. And I, and I sometimes think people are lying in their teeth in church. Lying. Singing a lie. Singing an absolute lie. I told Steve, let's stop singing that song because you're making too many people lie. Because they have no intentions of doing it. Have none. It is just words out of their mouth. But really, if you're going to make Jesus the leader, you're going to make the Holy Spirit the leader, you have to let him lead in everything. It's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It's going to be challenging sometimes. It's going to be, are you kidding me, Lord? Really? I've said that many times. And then I went ahead and did what he asked me to do. Went ahead to the place where he was leading me to. Going, I just don't think this is the place for me. But if he leads you there, it's the place for you. If it's his leading that you're following, then it's the right place to be. No matter how challenging, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how dismaying it might be, no matter how out of your comfort zone you are. Oh, Lord, it just pays to follow him. Listen, I talked last week about joy for the journey. There cannot be joy for the journey if you're not accurately following the leading of the Lord. There's only joy for the journey when you're following the plan he has laid out for you. And the plan comes in increments, it comes in steps, it comes in little things, but it comes and it's uh, up to us to decide that we're going to follow anytime he's leading us to do anything. Amen. Well, what's the next one? How about pay attention? Didn't Peter write, he said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary as a roaring lion seeks 
who he may devour? Listen, you need to be paying attention because God's trying to lead you and the devil's trying to distract you. His, his plan is to devour you and God's plan is to enlarge you. You have to be paying attention. Well, these little things don't matter. Yes, they do. They do matter. Little things can make big differences. A little, a little bit off course can have a pilot in a completely different city by the time he gets cross country. Just a little thing. We live our lives constantly, just like driving. You are constantly adjusting that steering wheel. You don't just go do like this all the way to Gainesville. That won't work. I guarantee it won't work. Even going down a straight highway, it don't work. You're, still, you're constantly adjusting because of the road you're on. You're constantly doing a little adjusting. Listen, God wants you to follow his leading so you can make the adjustments that you need as you go through life. But you have to be paying attention. Brother Hagin used to put it this way. He used to say, keep your spiritual antenna up. Keep them up. Don't just assume that, ah, this is a situation. It's no big deal. It could be a big deal. It could be a big deal. could be a very big deal. It could save your life. You know, just an example. I mean, many years ago, I was headed up uh, toward Lake City, and um, Holly Norton and I were going up to, I think, check out some Christmas decorations or something. I forget now what. And she came to the church, and we were going to leave from the church. We were in the old church at the time. And we, were, we, we both just kind of like, uh, let's just, just, just wait a minute. Let's just wait a minute. You know, so we kind of dilly-dallied around, delayed our departure for, you know, just a few more minutes. And we got up the road, and a tornado went right across the road, right about the time we would have been, right about that area. Little things matter. Don't just say this little prompting is no big deal. You don't know whether it's a big deal or not. That prompting to just to stop sooner at the red light instead of just making it could save your life. There are people who have died because, you know, they weren't listening. They weren't listening. Pay attention. I honestly think that most catastrophes that happen to Christians, accidents and things, could have been avoided. Somebody wasn't paying attention. Somebody tried to warn them. Somebody... There was something God was trying to get somebody's attention and we weren't patient. Why? We get so busy. We get so focused on something else. We get so distracted by these other things. Our minds are somewhere else. You know, there are times when it feels good just to kind of rest my mind, just kind of let it just go, just drift. You know? But, you know, that's only probably good if I'm at home and nothing's going on. But when you're out and you're out in this world, you better not be letting your mind drift. Your spirit man needs to have your full attention because you don't know what some little thing might come up that you need to know right then and you need to follow. So what else about about his leading? Recognize where it's coming from and what's influencing it. 
many people feel like, you know, I, I don't know how to hear God. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to hear God. I mean, I, you talk about you, God talking to you, and, and you talk about God told you this, and, and, and you got led to do this. I, I don't even know what you're, I don't even understand that. Listen, if you're a child of God, the potential for you to hear God is always there. It's always there. It's already part of you. It came with the whole package. Your ability to hear from God, his voice on the inside of you is already present. You just need to learn to recognize it. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament, Samuel, he's a boy. And he heard the voice of the Lord. He didn't recognize it as the voice of God. So he went to Eli, what, three times? And Eli finally said, that's God talking to you, son. Wake up. Sometimes we are so dense. We are just so dense. You know, God is like, if he could, he would slap us upside the head. You know, I heard somebody say one time that there are some people who are so stubborn, it takes a two-by-four to get their attention. God's not going to take a spiritual two-by-four to you unless it's majorly important. That, that can happen when the, you actually hear the voice of God. It's something really important. Um, you know, John 10, 27 says, my sheep know my voice. If you're his sheep, you know his voice. Well, how do you get to know it more so that you can uh, respond to it? Well, number one, get in the word. Find out who he is, what he's like, how he thinks. Get to know him through the word. Then get to know him by prayer, spending time with him in prayer. You'll get to know a lot about him when you spend time in prayer, coupled with the word. Um, here's the thing. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. You are a spirit, and God is a spirit. And that's how what, what spirits communicate to each other. So his spirit is connecting with my spirit. He's leading me by his spirit, not by anything else, but by his spirit. He's leading me. Through my spirit, he's leading me. One of the first things you need to start off asking is, does it line up with the word that I already have in my hand? I think Pastor Greg said that the other night. He said, if you don't know what to do, do what you already have. What's in your hand? I know what it's like to be in situations where you just don't know what to do and where to turn and Oh, you know, just things are bombarding you and the pressure is coming from every side and and you don't know which way to turn. You've got to settle this thing down. You've got to settle it down. Your emotions can get in the way. And emotions are inconsistent all across the board. They're up, they're down, they're in, they're out, they're hot, they're cold. You know, you don't ever know what your emotions are going to do. They're all over the place. Makes you, if, if you live by your emotions, you're going to be unsteady, unstable in all your ways. You cannot let your emotions rule you. If you're getting into a place where you're emotionally charged about something, you need to settle down. You need to back up and get a hold of yourself and then find out what God's got to say. You cannot hear him in the middle of all of that nonsense. You cannot get into mental reasoning Mingling your mental reasoning with something spiritual does nothing but bring confusion. 
Just confusion. You can't, you're having a problem separating what's mental and what's spiritual. Listen, here, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is powerful, that to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Brother Ham says penetrating as far as, a, as dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The Phillips translation says it strikes through to the place where soul and spirit meets. The Norley says it penetrates deeply, making a distinction between soul and spirit. There is a way to figure out what is mental and what is spiritual. The word. The word. What does the word have to say? The word will bring clarity. Your mental reason will only continue the confusion. There will be plenty of times when God will tell you to do something that does not add up mentally. All your reasoning, all your, all your, your good advice, all of your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, wisdom, just common sense, you know, doesn't line up sometimes with what God's telling you to do. But if you know him and you know it's him leading, then you can throw your common sense out the window. And don't put your own interpretation when God leads you in something. Don't decide. He may, he may give you some, some leading about something that's going to happen. Don't you put your interpretation on it until you hear more from God. If you can't step out in it right now, hold it. There's more coming. How about circumstances and physical indications? You cannot be led by those. You have to be led by the Spirit. People talk about closed doors, open doors. Even people who have gone to church here for a long time talk about open doors and closed doors. Please stop. Please stop. God does not operate by open doors and closed doors. He operates by leading you in your spirit. And if I've heard that phrase, well, it was meant to be, one more time, I'm going to tell you what's meant to be. What's meant to be is for me to walk in victory. What's meant to be is for me to be sure of where I'm going and what I'm doing and what I'm saying. That's what's meant to be. He meant for you to know what is meant to be right here and by spending time in prayer. That's how you're going to find out what's meant to be. Because something didn't turn out the way you thought it was supposed to does not mean it was meant to be. Listen, if things don't turn out the way you thought it was going to happen, just, just hold on. God's got a good plan. And the end result is going to be the same. Sometimes if certain people don't do certain things, see, God works in this, in this world through people, and he's having to move circumstances and situations around to get it so that you get your answer. But if people will not line up with what he's trying to do with them, God's got another way. So just because it doesn't look like it worked out the way it was supposed to, hold on, hold on, hold on to what God told you is the end result, and he'll get you to the end result. You know, in the Old Testament, I know, I know lots of people who would say, you know, I wish God would lead us like in the Old Testament. I mean, there was a, a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire and, and there was burning bushes and there was fleeces on the ground and, and there was all these things. And, and I'm going, yeah, God had to knock them upside the head because they didn't have the spirit on the inside of them. But you couldn't, the problem with that is tomorrow you couldn't count on that pillar of fire. Tomorrow, you can't count on that 
burning bush. Tomorrow, you can't call on fire from heaven to come out and beat up these prophets and chew up these prophets and, and all these idolers, idol worshipers and stuff. You can't count on that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, you can count on the Spirit of God being on the inside of you and leading you and guiding you every single day with every single decision that you need to make. You, he's always there in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. No matter when it's, you can count on him to be leading you. So no, I don't, I don't want to be so dependent on outward sources to tell me what to do. I need to know that quiet, still voice on the inside that says, here you go, this is what you do. <sighs> then, how about this other thing? Don't be led by your own will. Problem with so many people is they're not honest with themselves. They're not honest with other people, and they're not honest with themselves about why they're going to do what they're about to do. They want to couch it in terms of, well, God's leading me. God's no more leading them than I'm leading the man the moon. And I know it, and yet you can't convince them of that. Number one, it's ridiculous the kind of things they come up with. God's leading me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know why. God's just leading me on to this. No, God does not operate that way. I'm sorry. He doesn't. If you'll be honest with yourself, you've got an ulterior motive, something underlying there that you will not give voice to because if you give voice to it, you'll know how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes our motives are not what they should be when we think God is leading us to something. Sometimes we're in absolute disobedience. We know what God's leading us, and we're not going to do it. Not going to do it. Mm -mm. I've dug my heels in a few times. Nope, don't want to. You You know, when you're dealing with God, you might as well just be honest with him. Instead of going, well, now, Lord, you know this, and you know this, and you know He's going to call you on the carpet. So you might as well just be honest up front and say, I just, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. I don't want to. Do you hear me? I do not want to. And he'll, and he'll look at me and he'd say, your choice. But you miss your blessing. You miss all the things that I have prepared for you because of your disobedience. Those are lovely words to hear, aren't they? But he's being honest with us. Sometimes we, 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 we plug our spiritual ears so we don't have to hear that. Nope, 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 nope. How many people have gotten into wrong relationships with God doing everything he could? The Spirit of God doing everything he can to go, stop, 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 stop. And yet because they had so much emotionally invested in the situation, they refused to hear God. And they think, well, it only applies to me. No, no, no. No, no, no. There are things in our lives that when we do not follow the leading of the, of the Lord because of our own willfulness, because of our own disobedience, because of our own motives, that will have a ripple effect for generations. Generations. Do you hear me? Generations. It is a dangerous thing to willfully say no to God to the leading of the Holy Ghost. It is a dangerous thing. And you're living, what Steve said tonight, you're li- we're living in dangerous times. We cannot afford to not be sensitive 
to the leading of the Lord and not be willing to follow where he leads us. Don't use God to prop up your decision. Don't invoke the name of the Lord to prop up a bad decision you've made. People do it all the time. Well, I have peace about it. Listen, there are some times that, that I can honestly say people have come to us and they say, yeah, but pastor, you said that we need, they're about to do something really ridiculously bad for them and their family. And yeah, but look, you said to follow, follow peace. And we walk away from there going, yeah, we said to follow peace. Unfortunately, what you're following is just the relief from the pressure. That's what you're following. Not peace. You have peace now because the pressure is off. Instead of doing what you need to do to make the adjustments that you need to make and the changes you need to make, now the pressure is off. Because why? Because God steps back and said, if you're determined to do it, go ahead. Just go ahead. That's the kind of peace that that person's walking in. It's not the peace that comes from heaven. It's the lie of the devil. It is the lie of the enemy. There are situations we will all go through that are going to take some work. They're going to take some effort. That are going to be hard to plow through. Don't let the pressure of the situation make you decide that God's leading you to do something other than come out of it exactly the way he intended for you to come out of it. It says, James, let patience have her perfect work. Sometimes we're so ready to get the pressure off that we'll settle for something. And that's not what God intended for you to have. It might be okay, but it's not the perfect thing God intended for you to have. Don't settle for that. Don't just just give in to the pressure and say, God led me to do this. No, no. Be honest with yourself. And here's something you need to ask yourself at any time. Are you in the best spiritual shape to make that decision? Mm. I can cite you two or three examples at least, and there's many more, where people made major decisions and they were in a backslidden state. They hadn't been spiritually on fire for God in months or maybe even years, and yet they're saying, God's leading me to do this. How would you know you haven't been fellowshipping with God for two years? How would you know that's God leading you? Don't see it. Don't see it. We're going to have to practice daily. The little things right up to the big things. You can't handle the big things without practicing on the little things. You know, it may be something as simple as turn down this row. There's a better parking spot for you over there. could be that simple. That's practice. Recognize when you just feel a little nudge. Go this way. Do this little thing. He's, he's helping you practice. Where he leads, follow. So tonight when you leave here, I want you to ask yourself on your way home, who's doing the leading? Who's leading? And am I following? We I need to go back and sing that song, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. He leads me. Not any of these other things. 
Not, any, not anybody or anything. Not, not my thinking. Not my emotions. Not my circumstances. Not my family. Not my own motives that aren't right. But where he leads me, that I will follow. Amen. It's important that you learn to do that. It's important in every area of your life that you learn to let him lead and you agree with him and follow. Amen. I am on time, 845. Love you. See you Sunday. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.